Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. This is Jay Kokorowski. Got the Polish rifle, Scott Wisniewski, and from Acme Packing Company. We're going to hit go straight into it. This is going to be a podcast just about talking some NFL playoffs, some Green Bay Packers, coaching hires. Uh, we got Tex Western from Acme Packing Company. Tex, how you doing, buddy? Doing good. Got a, got a head coach, so that's step one, right? Exactly. I think that's a, that's a big step for the Green Bay Packers. And, uh, you know, we're gonna talk about that. Uh, first off real quick. I mean, we're, we're just recording pretty much what, like an hour after the new Orleans saints defeat the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and I thought there would be some Nick Foles magic at the end after the missed field goal by the saints, uh, by Will Lutz, but, uh, that did not come to be after an Alshon Jeffrey drop that turned into an interception. But, uh, the first, you know, this, you know, divisional round, any thoughts for who, you know, you have number one versus number two on, on each of those uh, championship games coming up next week. Yeah. I think my biggest thought was I was surprised at how poor the chargers looked today, to be honest with you. Um, They've been uh, to me, they've been one of the best teams in the NFL all season long and to see them come out and and really look flat uh, after that first touchdown and and go down big to the Patriots uh, surprised the heck out of me. But Otherwise, um, does not surprise me that the other top seeds all won. Um, they've pretty much been, um, you know, been the class of the NFL this year, especially in the NFC. The the Rams and Saints definitely seem to be um, a notch ahead of of everybody else. So, should be a fun uh, fun Sunday next weekend. But um, I'm selfishly, I'm I'm hoping that we see a Chiefs Rams Super Bowl because I want to see another repeat of that great Monday night game from midseason. That was fun. That was, that was so much fun. fun. And and then, you know, that helps the Packers out a little bit with a, a draft pick two notches higher if the Saints go out go out in the next round. Um and then, you know, who doesn't want to see the Patriots lose, right? <laughs> you know, it's funny because this whole weekend to me revolved around quarterbacks and I'll get into that in a second. I, part of me though, wants to see, you know, I, I want to see a saints chiefs. Uh, actually there's really no matchup. I don't want to see except maybe Rams Patriots, because even if you get the Patriots and, and the saints, you get Brady and breeze. So I know right. it's not all about the quarterbacks, but you know, it kind of is a little bit if, if it's two premier quarterbacks going head to head. Right. But, um, Let's talk about Rivers for a second. Now, he's 0-8 lifetime against Tom Brady, but, you know, I, I'm I'm just fearful that his legacy is always going to be tarnished by the fact that he hasn't appeared in a Super Bowl. And, yeah, his career's not over yet, but the window's closing on him. I think mm-hmm. is, you, could, you could agree with that. And I, I have a feeling that, that when it's all said and done, uh, that the blemish on his career is going to be he didn't take his team to the Super Bowl. And I've always said, Tex, I understand – the stat and I understand why people talk about it. I think it's a little unfair because we talk about on one side of our mouth, how everybody loves the NFL because it's the ultimate team sport, right? And everybody's got to pull their weight for, for a team to be a champion, but the wins and losses always seem to, to be magnified and, 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 and a microscope is put right onto the quarterback. So I think it's a little unfair. I think it's a little unfair that Dan Marino's career, um, there's always the but or the asterisk. Well, he didn't win enough at big games, and I don't know. I just I think it's a little unfair. But to be fair, that that's the the way people judge it, and I think that that Philip Rivers is always going to have that looming over his head. Yeah, I think you're you're completely right, and I think you go back to looking at the guy who he was traded for on draft day in 2004, Eli. Um, there's no question which of those two quarterbacks is a better quarterback in my mind. It's it's Rivers, and it's not even close. 
but because Eli's got two Super Bowl rings, um, you know, there's there's people who are going to make a, a much who are going to try to make a stronger case for him getting in the Hall of Fame than than Rivers. Um, and I think it's it's a little crazy. Um, and with Rivers too, you you look at the durability factor. He hasn't missed a start since what his second year in the NFL when he wasn't even the starter. Um, right. So you know that right. that's a that's a near Farvian level of of consistency and and durability. And yeah, I mean he's been he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL for his entire career. And you can't say that about Eli. No. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. No. Okay. And uh, one qu- more question on my end for the playoffs: James White, best Wisconsin back to, to become an NFL Man. back, in your opinion? So far, so far yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's. I, I think Gordon can get there. Um, I think. I think yeah. Melvin's done yep. some things in the receiving game, in, in the passing game, that I think. You know that that was with a big knock on him coming out, right? Is that well, we we don't know what his hands are like. We don't Absolutely. know if he can contribute in the passing game. I mean, he's. He shut up those critics uh, very well these last couple of years. Um, so he's certainly got a shot, but but the way that they use James White, um, the you know in all the different ways that they line him up, you know in the backfield and the split out wide and everything. Um, I mean he's he's you got to look at him as probably the most versatile running back in the NFL. And certainly, yeah, I mean he's he's had the the most sustained success of of any Badger back I can think of. Yeah, I, I, I think when it's all said and done, it's going to be Gordon, um, provided he stays healthy, right? But, um, but yeah, I mean, James White, uh, he, not only that, but he's had some great postseason performances, and that's always going to, to, to look better when it's all said and done. But, I mean, what a combination. I mean, both of these guys uh, coming out of Wisconsin and uh, talk about a one-two punch that those two guys bring. And, again, like I said, right now, it's just, it. Gordon's had a couple nagging injuries, but I think oh yeah, and, and thinking well. back to that, what 2013 team with both of those guys on there? Um, well, hell, the the, the what the yep. 2012 team was uh, the two of them and Monte Ball. I mean, it's it's th- those were fun times, that's for sure. Yeah, I remember covering, I remember covering those guys back in the day. Uh, <laughs> oh man, uh, we were at Tex Western of Alan Amici has 40, uh, 40 career NFL touchdowns too. So. You know, yeah. not, you can't, you can't forget fair. about him. About him. <laughs> when you talk, I'm yeah, no, that's yeah. fair. That's fair. Yeah. No, I know someone's going to hear this and be like, well, I'll meet you. You hit it on the head, Scotty. That's on. Yeah. That's, I mean, it's going to be, you know, I get maybe it's modern day NFL back would be the, the best way uh, to say it there. So my apologies there. But uh, we're here with Tex Western from Acme Packing Company on the Kilbasa King Sports Extravaganza. Of course, brought to you by Bucky's Fifth Quarter. And Tex, it's you know obviously the big news. Uh, Green Bay Packers get a get themselves a head coach, and you know we yeah we had Owen Reese on was it last week or the week before uh, to talk about head coaching candidates. I know Scotty and him both talked about uh, Josh McDaniels from the New England Patriots, and of course the Packers go with Matt Lafleur, which there's been a lot of dodgeball references, which I absolutely enjoy uh, lately, and so I know I'll be tweeting a lot of gifts going on down in the future with uh, if anything goes wrong there uh, with the, with the Packers, but uh, your thoughts on the hire and, and what he can bring to the organization, especially on that offensive end with, it seems like everyone's going for a Sean McVay. If they've had a cup of coffee or offensive coordinator or some sort of coaching, they they've picked up on them uh, and they've, they've been, of, these candidates have been of interest. What, what do you think LaFleur can bring 
to Green Bay from that offensive sense? Yeah, I think the 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 part of his background that is even more important than working with McVay is how long he worked for Kyle Shanahan. Um, he was he was with Shanahan for a while in Washington when uh, the two were working under Mike Shanahan. Then went to Atlanta with him as his quarterbacks coach for a couple of years. Um, and, and including that one great year that Matt Ryan had where, where he won the MVP and went to the Super Bowl. So um, I, I look at him as more of a Shanahan disciple than a McVay disciple um, since he really only worked gotcha. for McVay for one year. Um, they were together in Washington. But um, I, I, I like the, the, the tweaks that the kind of Shanahan offense brings to the West Coast system. Um, you're going to see probably similar terminology to – um, what what Mike McCarthy and his offense use because it is a West Coast based system. So in that sense, I think the offensive scheme and at least the terminology isn't going to change that much. Whereas if the Packers had brought in Josh McDaniels, that's an entirely different offensive scheme, entirely different nomenclature and 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 verbiage and everything. So so that would be um, a, a much bigger change if they had gone with McDaniels. But um, it. it there's a couple of things about LaFleur that really excite me. One of them is the fact that he loves to talk about how much he loves chunk plays on offense. He wants to pick up big chunks of yardage. Um, he, he's talked about how that's the best way to get your team points is, is picking up big chunks at, at um, on individual plays. And so that I think is, is a big um, is a big plus and the creativity, even though um, the Titans offense overall wasn't, particularly successful last year um, with Lafleur as a play caller. I think you saw glimpses of the types of things that the Packers have needed and that have gone, um, you know, unchanged under McCarthy where, you know, he'd run slant flat 10 times a game and then he'd run a bunch of ISO routes. You're seeing Lafleur setting up his routes, um, building his play calls on one another to set up plays later in the game and, and really designing route combinations to get guys open, which is is one of the the common refrains from Packers fans about things that they complained about about Mike McCarthy. So there's a creativity there. There's again, you get a, a little bit of continuity in the offense, but you've got a guy who who wants to learn and, and adapt his offense to his personnel. Um, and I think really he represents the kinds of things that um, that the Packers weren't getting out of McCarthy with with his offense just kind of stagnating. Now, Tex, I got a couple of things. We're going to talk about how he fits in with Aaron Rodgers and the changes he's made to the staff here in a second. But let me preface all of this by saying I like the hire. I think it's a great hire. But I do have just two small follow-ups based on what you had already mentioned. Number one, um, yes, you know, he did some different things with what he had to work with uh, in Tennessee. But there was a 5% of me that was concerned that even though the team, that offense there, didn't have weapons like this Packer team does, I was a little bit discouraged that Mariota didn't take the next step. And maybe that's just because Mariota has hit a ceiling, which is very possible. And the other question I have, and I, I like the fact that you you cleared up the fact that he's more of a Shanahan disciple, because this is more of an overarching question is do you think teams will eventually, and I don't think this relates to the Packers in this hire, uh, end up making maybe not the best choice because they're trying to find the next Sean McVay, so they may dig deep into the Sean McVay tree, and eventually that tree might not bear fruit. I mean, we've kind of seen it with the Belichick tree, right? So I guess however you want to, what order you want to kind of address both those concerns. Yeah, I'll, I'll go for the second one first. And I think the the first real big example of a team reaching 
Um, but I think you got two two examples of that this year. One of them from the McVay tree is the Bengals looking like they're going to hire Zach Taylor, the um, what is he either the pass game or the run game coordinator, whichever one in in LA under McVay this year. Um, but unlike Lafleur, who left LA to go get a, a year of play calling experience. Um, Zach Taylor has no experience calling plays, at least not at the NFL level. And so to, to tab him as your head coach um, w- without that experience, um, th- that strikes me as, as being a bit premature. And the Bengals organization is a little screwy anyway. The whole Mike Brown family run mom and pop shop thing is, um, is a, little, a little strange. But um, I think that one could, could go wrong if um, – you know, if if it, obviously it all comes down to Taylor and the kind of guy he is, but that's one I could see uh, backfire on that. And then the other one is Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona. Um, certainly, his Texas Tech teams didn't didn't perform particularly well, at least on defense. You know, he had a great uh, was a great offensive mind, and and obviously developed Pat Mahomes out there in Texas Tech, and and had great success on that side of the ball. But um, that one seemed. Very premature to me as well that um, you take him from from literally from getting fired uh, in Lubbock and then um, you know jump into to the NFL. That one seemed uh, seemed a little crazy to me. Um, as far as Lafleur and the Titans, I, I still like I was saying. I think the the, the I, I, my concern is about just having the one year of play calling experience. But again, compared to Taylor, that's that's a huge deal that he's even got that one year. And regarding Mariota, I, I also think that you're dealing with, you know, he had some, I think, some nerve damage in his shoulder this year. And I think that was bothering him for a while. And the fact that Blaine Gabbert ended up taking about a third of the team's pass attempts this year. Um, I, I think those two things together, I, I don't think you can really look at this year as a good um, a good sample on what Mariota's abilities are just because he was so limited. So so I wouldn't I wouldn't put too much stock into – uh, worrying about Lafleur just based on that, at least this season. Well, and, and then just to piggyback off that, I don't know that there's a coach alive that's going to make Blaine Gabbert look good. So, uh, <laughs> right, not on him at all. So, <laughs> yeah, agreed. And I was saying, text too. I mean, not, you look ahead and you you have the the coach, you know, the head coach. Now, now he'll put his staff together. They won't have reportedly, uh, you know, Todd Munkin from uh, the the former Buccaneers offensive coordinator who, who's being hired by the Browns as their OC. Yeah. Yeah, according to Adam Schefter. I'm bummed about that one. <laughs> I'm I'm really I'm really bummed about that one because I think he could have brought some of that air raid um some of those air raid concepts and and he loves shot plays too. So I thought he and LaFleur would have been a really fun match. Yeah, absolutely. Now he goes with Freddie Kitchens uh to Cleveland and uh seeing what they can do with Baker Mayfield, which intrigues me there. That's according to Adam Schefter of ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh you also I mean, what's next? I mean, I think if I'm not mistaken, was someone reported that James Campman is uh, yep. heading to Cleveland as well as their offensive line coach uh, with some Green Bay connections there, obviously, as a former player and as a coach. Uh, what uh, What's next for filling out the staff? Like, who do you think is, is next in line? Are there, you know, in terms of the offensive side of the ball, we know Mike Pettin's being retained. I know they'll be after having to hire some defensive assistants for that matter uh, with Joe Witt being let go. Uh, and, and whatnot, but on the offensive side of the ball, who who do you think's next in line to get the you know uh, the offensive coordinator position? Well, it looks like um, Nathaniel Hackett, former OC for the Jaguars, um, was one of the other guys that they interviewed this past week, um, sometime in the last couple of days. They interviewed, I think, him on Friday and Monken on Saturday. 
but um, he, he would look like the next next guy up. Um, there's two guys currently working under Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco, uh, Mike McDaniel and then Matt LaFleur's brother, Mike, um, who it sounded like there was some interest there, but Shanahan did not allow either one of those guys to interview. Uh, probably at least in part because it wouldn't be a it would not be a play calling job since since Matt Lafleur's got those duties. Um, McDaniel in particular is one that there's been a lot of buzz about this season, but um, sounds like he's kind of being groomed by Shanahan to to take over as uh, as full on offensive coordinator in San Francisco. So it, it looks like the job would probably go to Hackett right now if um, if he wants it and. He he was the the architect of that Jaguars offense last season that found a way to get to the AFC Championship with Blake Bortles at quarterback. So that on an, in and of itself is a pretty impressive feat. Um, and that was I think with Allen Robinson hurt the entire season as well. So um, there's there's reasons to be interested and in, in kind of excited about him. Um, I think he'd be a good kind of second choice um, since it looks like the team is is missing out on Monken. And again, he, he comes from a little bit of a different um, offensive mindset. So kind of bringing some different ideas together um, along with Lafleur's kind of Shanahan West Coast offense, I think is is a good thing. And, and again, I love the fact that Shanahan or that, that Lafleur, excuse me, has has talked about wanting to bring in different influences and constantly um, changing and evolving and, and keeping ahead of the curve again, because it seemed like McCarthy you know, refused to, to do that. Um, as far as James Campen goes, I think that was a big loss. Um, you know, he's been the offensive line coach since I think 2006 or 2007, early on in the Mike McCarthy tenure. And I was actually a little surprised that they didn't work a little harder to retain him. I thought he might be a candidate to, to be retained throughout this or through this season. Um, and then I think the only other coach that we know of for sure right now, who's sticking around is the tight ends coach, Brandon Jellico. So they've definitely got some some of their work cut out for them. Um, Joe Witt's gone on the defensive side. Obviously, Frank uh, Ron Zook is is gone, and, and we're all happy about that. So the, these next two weeks are going to be real interesting. And I think once you see some, um, you know, some of these playoff teams drop out, you know, maybe the the Packers can make a move for for somebody else on Sean McVay's staff for an assistant job or something like that. So. I guess the, the, the elephant in the room is Aaron Rodgers. And I guess my question is this, whether, you know, obviously the fans and, and media and, and chat boards have run the gamut on where people stand on uh, what level Aaron Rodgers played in, in making sure Mike McCarthy wasn't the head coach anymore, and whether he was defiant or out of control or whether or not he was just like every other Hall of Fame quarterback and wanted some input on the offense. To me, it's water under the bridge. What is important, though, is the relationship that Aaron Rodgers has with LaFleur. And while I said at the beginning of, of this hunt after McCarthy got fired, I don't think your quarterback should decide who the head coach is, but he should at least have an opinion on somebody, right? I mean, I, I think that's only fair. If Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, anybody else would have an opinion if they were put in that position. That's a lot right. of words to, to basically ask the simple question. How do you think the relationship between LaFleur and Rodgers is going to play out over the next couple of seasons? Yeah, well, I think they got it off to a good start. And um, Peter Bukowski wrote about this for us late last week. But um, the way that the Packers handled it with, first of all, Rodgers being part of that team player leadership council um, and and the feedback that we got from that, 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 we know that 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 group of players 
was talking about wanting more accountability and less complacency by the coaching staff and the team and everybody. Um, I think that speaks volumes and that probably speaks a little bit to um, the, the rumors and the, the talk about what Rogers was doing uh, on the field and ignoring play calls and stuff like that. So I, I think that, that in, Taking in his input in that area is probably a good way to do it because, again, you're, you're aggregating it with the other leaders on the team. You're you're showing him that it's important, but that he's not above the rest of the team as a whole. But at the same time, then having Rodgers talk to Lafleur before they actually offered him the position uh, on on Monday at, at, in the afternoon on this week, um, I, I think that also shows Rodgers that the team – recognizes how important he is and and wants to get that relationship off on the right foot. So I think it was a good balancing act by Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst, um, the way they kind of facilitated that communication uh, between Rogers. And, you know, we don't know if he talked to any of the other candidates who interviewed, but at least we know that they weren't really considering anybody else after that round of interviews anyway. So it, it kind of seems to me that they probably, you know, let Rogers give him a call saying, this is probably our guy. We just want you to talk to him. Let me, let us know what you think. And, you know, I, I, I don't know that I think that if it had gone, you know, just, just okay, they would have said no. Um, but I, I gotta think that again, Lafleur brings to the table, all the things that it sounds like Rogers wanted. Again, it's accountability. It's, it's adaptability. It's, it's learning and evolving the offense. And, and again, avoiding complacency. And so from that perspective, I see no reason to think that, that those two guys can't get along. Um, and the other thing too, that, that Rogers has talked about in the past is wanting to be coached and coached hard and, and challenged in practice. And we we've heard rumors that, that he's just blown things off in practice in these last couple of years under McCarthy. Um, and we've got multiple people who've played for Lafleur who say that that's exactly what he's going to do is he's going to push guys. He's going to challenge them uh, mentally and, you know, in terms of um, their abilities in the practice field. And I think that's, that's exactly what Rogers needs and probably what he wants at this point in his career. We're with Tex Western here on the active packing company. We'll wrap it up here. I know, I think we told you 20. We're already going. We're already on 25. But with you answering like you do masterfully, my friend, uh, it's always great having you on. <laughs> I, I get, yeah, I get going a little bit. So oh, no, no, <laughs> my apologies. Hey, hey, we love them. Go I got a quick, I got a quick one real quick. Uh, we're going to talk draft after, after the Super Bowl, obviously. And, and you do such a great job previewing the NFL draft. But this is a little bit more timely. Uh, Kyler Murray. Is he going to choose the A's or is he going to enter the draft? Uh, What's your gun? My gut says he's going to the draft. Um, Part of me, if it were any other position other than quarterback, I'd say he'd be crazy to to give up baseball and those guaranteed contracts. But, man, you come out as a quarterback, um, my my only concern with him is how small he is. And we talked about Wilson when he came out. I mean, he was, what, 5'10 and a half, but – He's got an inch on Murray, and he's probably got 30, 40 pounds on Murray. He's just so slight that I would I would be concerned about that if I were an NFL team. But, man, he's dynamic, and, and I think he goes to the NFL. Yeah, I saw some reports that I think some A's top executives are flying out to, to meet with him as well to try to mm-hmm. persuade him to keep uh yeah try to say play baseball and play football apparently so we'll see or or something like that where at least keep him in the game of baseball but uh we'll right. we'll see how that goes on that uh yeah. text man uh i got nothing else scotty you got anything else brother 
No, no. Thanks for your time again, Tex. We appreciate yeah, it. anytime. It's always my pleasure. And uh, yeah, we'll run it back again uh, in a couple of weeks when we start talking about the draft. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah. No, we'll have you back on, brother, and uh, be well. Uh, and uh, yeah, no, we'll talk to you soon, brother. My pleasure, guys. Go Pack Go. Guys, it's Tex Western from Acme Packing Company here. Uh, Scott, anything else you want to say real quick before we wrap it up? Yeah, well, I'm just going to real quick. Uh, I want to stay two quick baseball hitters. One, I'm going to stay on on uh, Kyler Murray real quick because I think about um, the A's and, and they're a notoriously cheap franchise as it is. So, it's But if they pony up the money and they give them the $15 million, I think it's a little interesting because, okay, Deion Sanders pulled off the two-sport thing, right? Right. But Deion Sanders was a veteran in the NFL, and he understood his position so he could miss practice time and and whatnot to go play baseball. A rookie quarterback missing the pre, missing preseason practices so he could play baseball, I don't know that that bodes well for the football side of his career. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, again, if he were an established player who understood his whatever team drafts him, if he understood that offense, like the back of his hand, that's different. But how can you allow him to go play baseball in July and August when you need him to be learning your offense? Right. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know because I've heard that bannered about too. I just don't see that working with a rookie quarterback who's trying to learn the NFL. And any other piece was the Brewers. They signed. It was last week, but it was after we had done the show. Yasmani Grandal uh, is now uh, a Brewer. Yeah, I think that's huge. Uh, free agent contract there. Brewers get a catcher that can hit, uh, was a switch hitter. Yeah, he had that really bad game against the Brewers in the NLCS where the, the past balls uh, were, were really bad there. But, I mean, the, the deal seems, in my opinion, good, Scotty. I, I like the, the the power from that. Uh, I think it gives Wisconsin – or not Wisconsin, but gives the Brewers some options. And I, I really feel that that could really help out uh, this team. And we'll see what they do on the pitching end where I know that, that – the talk about Madison Bumgarner and the reports out there about uh, possible trade opportunities where, you know, I know the names like, you know, Corbin Burns, uh, Peralta, Freddie Peralta, Corey Ray are being floated out there. According to numerous reports. I, I, yeah, I don't like it. I, I don't like it. I don't like the one year on, on Bumgarner. If, if it was um, Kluber or somebody who had three years, I would say, yes, I don't like the one year. Um, to empty out your farm system. We can talk next week because I have some value uh, guys you could bring in that aren't necessarily top of the rotation guys, but maybe you kick the tires on a Granky. I don't, I don't know, but I do agree. They need a top line starter. I also would like them to address second base, but I don't think that's going to happen just because all the, the top guys are gone. Maybe they can get a bargain in Josh Harrison. Um, but otherwise I think they might just, figure that what they lose at offense at second base, they're making up a catcher by bringing in Grandal. I mean, that could be the only thing that I'm, that, that, that I'm, I'm thinking about. Um, but we'll talk more about that. Cause I mean, there's still a lot of unsigned free agencies. So maybe next week we get a little bit of a chance to talk a little bit more about what the Brewers can do as uh, we hit the, the end of January here. Absolutely. Uh, on that note, let's take it home, brother. Uh, that we can get on the start of the week. You guys have a, you know, Scott, it's, uh, we'll, we'll get, we'll make sure we do a show next week leading up. Uh, we got, you know, we'll talk more playoffs. We'll talk, like I said, some Brewers talk, uh, some Bucks, hopefully. I got to get, talk to Eric Name, see if he can jump on one of these days in between his schedule now for yeah, the Athletic. Still red hot. Right? Still red hot. Yeah. Yep. And they defeated the Atlanta Hawks uh, earlier today. And uh, yeah, one of the, uh, and so we'll go from there. But 
Um, yeah, for Tex Western, thanks, big thanks for him jumping on board as always. Uh, a great talk and just the analysis is fantastic. Make sure you go to acmepackingcompany.com and, and their APC podcast. Can't talk enough about uh, what the great stuff they do here. Uh, make sure you guys check out Bucky's Fifth Quarter, all your Wisconsin Badgers news, notes, and analysis. Like us on Facebook at Kilbasa King, or yeah, like us on Facebook, on Twitter at Kilbasa Kings WI. Scotty at Scott Wisnews to me at JCocoB5Q. And we'll catch you guys next week here on the Kilbasa Kings Sports Extravaganza.